Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 18th of March 2011. Newcomers, I suggest you look into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the hundreds of audios which are there for download. And remember to all the sites listed there are the official sites I have up and they all carry transcripts too of a lot of the talks I've given in English. And if you want transcripts in other languages for a print up, go into alanwattsentinel.eu and take your pick from the choices offered. And remember too that you are the audience that bring me to you, so support me by buying the books and this I have for sale. And you can donate as well. Straight donations are awfully helpful at times when they trickle in. And uh, you can, uh, from the U.S. to Canada, remember you can use a personal check, charter the books. Uh, you can use an international postal money order, and you can use PayPal to order. Just use the, the donation button you'll see on the com site and follow it by an email with name, address, and order. Same across the rest of the world. You can use Western Union, MoneyGram, uh, PayPal again and our straight cash donations, some will send the cash. So far, it's still acceptable at the banks. And who knows how that'll change, too, with a totally electronic society. That's if we ever get electrics in the future, because we don't know what's going to happen with all the nuclear power plants, because they want to close them all down. <laughs> anyway, that's the world we're living in. It's Disneyland, folks. And if you think reality is real, uh, then you're part of Disneyland because we're really at the bottom level of understanding. We're fed uh, the stuff that you give to mushrooms, and we truly are kept in the dark. And we get we get the glimpses of this all the time, you know, when they open the, the trap door and throw the manure into us. We get glimpses of something bigger out there, and uh, and then it's closed again, and you're back in the dark trying to figure out what you've seen. And that's what we're going through right now with all this stuff. We've had shock and awe, shock and awe since 2001. With the towers going down, you know, they went down and some people said they melted. And we had uh, the West Nile virus and we had uh, the SARS outbreak in Toronto, all hyped. Just like all the horror movies you've seen, all the disaster movies all coming together. And then, of course, we had the, the, um, the avian flu that went nowhere. And then we had the, the, the so-called swine flu. And then we had, uh, on top of that, too, we've had um, a bank meltdown as well. Love meltdowns in the last few years. So we had a financial meltdown. And now, supposedly, we're going through what we're told is um, a nuclear meltdown on a grand scale. So uh, it's just fantastic really, to be alive today, to watch them really go into ultimate shock and awe and, uh, and tell people almost nothing at all of any real relevance or importance or definitely not truth because um, even the people in Japan and, uh, are getting no truth whatsoever. Uh, your governments are exactly the same in these situations. Uh, during wartime, for instance, and we are under wartime uh, scenarios, we have been since 2001, if you haven't really noticed anything. 
then you have a Department of Information that everything's funneled through. At the moment, it's through the Homeland Security System, and they all work together with international security systems. And so tonight, so I'll put up a link to, I'm sure most of you have seen it already, it's not about two minutes or so, of a Frenchman in Tokyo who actually is showing you the same scenario. They're on television. They're, they've got all the funny games on and the usual stuff. And so everything's quite natural and normal. And that's how you would be treated back home if uh, things get out of hand with the same smiling faces and schizophrenic world scenario projected through that television as all hell breaks loose, basically. That's how you'd get managed. So I'll put that link up tonight. But we are, as I say, in Disneyland. It's like a bad a disaster movie. And uh, meanwhile, they're off to war to bomb Libya and so on. Um, amazing, isn't it? What a time to be alive. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix where we try to get some reality. Mind you, there's different levels of reality too and what we get at the bottom level is a sort of manure that they throw up on uh, mushrooms and uh, when they're growing them for commercial purposes because that's their function is to be used for commercial purposes. We're natural resources in a a sense. We're human resources. We self-multiply and keep big business going at the top. And pay lots of taxes, of course. So we've seen all kinds of meltdowns, as I say. We've seen um, towers melt down, and apparently by themselves. And we've seen uh, the, the, the bank crashes, meltdowns there, financial meltdowns. And then we get the bailouts, which caused taxpayers' meltdowns. We're still melting down from that one. And now we're getting meltdowns from nuclear reactors. Uh, by the way, the company that owns it apparently is called IMMELT, IMELT. I mean, who would buy a reactor from these guys? But it was actually made by General Electric. And uh, it's quite interesting to watch all these little names crop up and the meanings hidden within. But you couldn't make this stuff up if you wanted to. It, really, it truly is. It's like all the disaster movies for the last 12 years or so all thrown into one. Uh, and, to say them, and they're going off to war at the same time. Another war, eh? They're not worried about radiation, apparently. And we don't even know what's really, really happening. You know, first they tell you in the reactors, oh, the roofs have blown off them. And then they show you pictures two days later with roofs back on them again and and stuff like that, you know. And you can't, a a first world country like Japan cannot fly in with their big choppers, big heavy duty diesel generators to, no, 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 they haven't really thought of that, we're told and all that kind of stuff. Nothing makes sense in this whole scenario here. Nothing at all makes sense. But then, of course, and everybody's been waiting for this too, two hours ago, the Associated Press, or Press Association it's called, um, said that radioactive fallout from Japan's nu- nuclear plant has reached the U.S. with experts. Here we are, Bertrand Russell said, will be trained by experts, and really kept in the dark by them, saying there's a small chance it could soon re- reach Britain. And the readings of the radiation in Southern California are said to be far below levels which could pose a health hazard. However, well, that's awfully reassuring coming from an expert that doesn't have a name. Anyway, it says, and the UK's Health Protection Agency, these are the ones that generally kill you off for population reduction through the National Health Service, it stressed there was no risk to British residents from the release of radioactive material from the stricken uh, plants in Japan. Meanwhile, the evacuation of Britons from the disaster-hit country gathered pace as a situation 
at the dangerously overheated nuclear facility continued to deteriorate. I mean, how, how much can you deteriorate after you've had meltdowns one after another, you know? And again, see, see, once these things have melted down, there's no use pumping water in there because the stuff's going all up in nuclear fission into the air, basically. All you can do is bulldoze them in, like they did at Chernobyl or anywhere else. It doesn't matter the type of reactor. Once the meltdowns occurred, that's what you do. This is the emergency was, no, I was into the usual stuff. But anyway, so U.S. diplomat was with access. Now listen to this, how it's worded here. It's very, very interesting because we're being managed, you see. This is a U.S. diplomat with access to radiation tracking by the U.N. Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty Organization. So, Access to radiation tracking. It's not for the public. We've not to get that. The United Nations, you know, that wonderful front organization that was set up a long time ago to be a world government, and really it's a socialist form of government too. They don't believe in telling the public anything. Uh, Test Ban Treaty Organization cited initial readings from a California-based measuring station, from a California-based measuring station. They were about a billion times beneath levels that would be health-threatening, he said. So there's no name here or nothing, or even the station uh, that, that it's supposed to be reported out of, from a secretive organization at the United Nations who deals with the Test Ban Treaty, and by, a, again, an unnamed U.S. diplomat, right? Now, listen to what it says here. So the U.N. is running all information regarding nuclear um, exposures into the air and testing and, and, and uh, all their, uh, their their systems for tracking this stuff and, and sensing this stuff. They're running the whole thing across the world through a treaty, through a treaty, you see. And then it says the Nuclear Energy Agency is another one, part of the International Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. The Department for Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development is a United Nations organization, again, another one. Everything's under the United Nations now. Said radiation from the plant was likely to reach everywhere in the northern hemisphere, but in extremely small quantities. Well, how much do you really need, eh? And what is small? You understand they're talking down to dummies here. This is how it's the idiocracy time, like the movie, you know. And there's no more sense to be to got out of this particular article here with all this uh, anonymous this and anonymous that, and, and uh, you know, eight places picked up the radiation and so on. So you go into uh, this other article here in ABC, and it says, um, the government experts, again, like Bertrand Russell said, uh, will train them all to listen to nothing but experts. In other words, you'll never use your own common sense. Always get an expert to tell you what to do and what, how to think. In the U.S. are keeping a close watch on any radioactive particles that could travel from Japan, and they may already be seeing trace amounts. So they may already be seeing trace amounts. And then here we go again, a diplomat who has access to radiation tracking, in other words, he's got clearance because it's supposed to be kept from the public. Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty Organization told the Associated Press in Vienna that initial readings show tiny amounts of radiation uh, and, and they've already reached California. But it's not dangerous in any way. A billion times beneath levels, that would be health-threatening. To understand the normal travel gives you uh, higher than that levels, that, that it can be dangerous to your health. <laughs> it a billion times beneath that. So that's nonsense to start with. And then it says, U.S. government experts also insist there's no threat to public health from the plume, but they're still closely monitoring the situation with detection monitors deployed along the West Coast. 
And then the New California reading came from a measuring station of the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty Organization. So here we go back to the United Nations again. And the monitor was apparently located in Sacramento. Sacramento. Hmm? So radiation is one of those words that can get everybody scared like plague, said Dr. Jonathan Fielding, a director of public health for Los Angeles County. But we are 5,000 miles away. Well, the wind doesn't stop at Japan. It goes across the planet. (laughs) But what they say here, too, is that uh, um, they can't tell the public because uh, it's it's not their policy to inform the public of what the levels are. So that's why it's anonymous people who are telling us, supposedly, what the radiation levels, uh, they've even suspected that they're out there and they're detecting them. They're not supposed to tell the public. Well, what, what are we? We're no different than that French guy in that video who's demanding to be told the truth. Of, he's in Tokyo. And he says they get no truth at all. Well, it's no different here. And he does say in the video, by the way, that's how your government's treating you. Exactly the same way. The game shows will be going on on television. Your sitcoms come on. And I wonder how many guys are in their bunkers, if this really is as bad as they say. If this is really as bad as they say. You know, why are they having a a war coming up, for instance? Uh, uh, Canada, for instance, it says here, Canadian fighters uh, jets are en route to support Libya, no-fly zone. It's actually a bombing uh, run they're going on to. They've given Gaddafi an ultimatum, an offer he can't refuse. So Canada has dispatched six CF-18 fighter jets along with some 150 support personnel to help enforce the United Nations sanctioned no-fly zone over Libya. Canada has dispatched the 18 uh, fighter so and so and so on. And it says, um, where rebel forces continue to fight back against the violent and oppressive regime. So, so there's your spin on it. Uh, rebel forces. Number, generally rebels are called terrorist folks, but it depends uh, who wants to back them. And this is, an, this is an, um, an authorized agenda to take down all these countries one after another. We've gone through the history on this show of the different organizations involved in the soft power, they call it, to years to, to get it uh, up to the present stage for a domino effect to happen across one country to the next. And Brzezinski and, and all these boys are involved in it too. Uh, so it's not going as planned. And um, Gaddafi's still got a lot of support in his country. So the rebel-terrorist forces continue to fight back against the violent and oppressive regime. So there's a, a violent and oppressive regime. that they're going to get a better one coming in afterwards, right? Just like Egypt's got, Egypt's under martial law. Hmm? So, an announcement, the, the deployment Friday morning, uh, Prime Minister Stephen Harper said Canada had backed the idea for no-fly zone from the start and would now take the urgent action necessary to support it. The situation in Libya remains intolerable, he said in a statement delivered in the foyer of the House of Commons. He's in there to answer charges about something, I'll get into it later, about one of his advisors and a call girl. But anyway... This is the world we're really living in. I'm not kidding you. It's just amazing what's coming out at the moment. You couldn't write this stuff up. You couldn't make it up. You couldn't make up what's happening at all. And then you go into the one on Obama from The Guardian. Obama tells Gaddafi to withdraw or face UN-backed airstrikes. So there you are. It's an offer you can't refuse, right? Even though the UN is not supposed to get entangled in internal affairs, you know. It's amazing how you can change the rules when you want to 
And then again, normally when you get rebels, you call them terrorists or trying to overthrow the government, but they're called rebels trying to overthrow a nasty government, you see. And that's how we get all our opinions given to us and all sides of everything. But, you know, that's how it's done. This is an agenda, ongoing agenda, probably written years before you were born, by the way, the whole timetable from 9-11 to the present day with where they want to be and what they want to happen. And it's, it's just like a big business plan. It takes years to get all these things on the drawing board and, and worked out and then get them all ready to go into action. It takes years. So it says here, uh, Muammar Gaddafi has been handed a non-negotiable ultimatum by, by Barack Obama to accept an immediate ceasefire, pull back from the Libyan rebel strongholds, and permit humanitarian assistance or face the full onslaught of UN-endorsed airstrikes. So I guess they want to go in and give them the humanitarian assistance of probably better machine guns and lots of ammo and stuff like that to make sure this comes through, this popular uprising. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about all the madness, the apparent madness that's supposed to appear mad to us all as craziness as we go through the big agenda, of course. And the, the, the Japanese um, uh, situation will cause uh, big world talks and world meetings to be held and eventually get into true austerity where you'll be paying through the nose like you wouldn't believe for every little bit of electricity you will get and you're rolling blackouts for your nice communitarian areas in the future because that's what they want to bring down. You see communitarianism for a post-industrial, uh, post-democratic uh, society, post-democratic for sure because now we're getting run by experts for every everything now. You see, we have no say in anything at all. We can't even ask our masters, you know, what the radiation levels are. Anyway, here's uh, what, what Obama said, and it's written by a speechwriter. I'm not sure which one they use for this one. Let me be clear, these terms are not negotiable. These terms are not subject to negotiation. If Gaddafi does not comply with the resolution, the international community will impose consequences and the resolution will be enforced through military action. Now, the international community is the, the gangs that run all the countries uh, for their masters. They're just a kind of managerial class but they, they manage the countries for the masters because uh, we're obviously not a community and uh, we don't get a vote and a say in anything at all. And um, it'd be, it's a pity if they start bombing there because it's bad enough with the prices and oil already escalating. We don't need to be gouged anymore so that their, their masters, again, can really impose high, high um, prices at the fuel pumps and so on. Anyway, David Cameron, I love this one, David Cameron of all people says, we will judge him, he says, that's Gaddafi, by his actions and not by his words. The folk in Britain have been trying to judge this character since they got him into office and he's managed to evade, managed to evade everything. He says, what is absolutely clear is the UN Security Council resolution said he must stop what he's doing, which is brutalizing his people. If not, all necessary measures can follow to make him stop. And then, of course, the French and everybody's in on the same thing. 
The next stage of the international response will be coordinated at the emergency conference in Paris, including Cameron Nicolas Sarkozy, the French president, uh, Hillary Clinton that will be there, the U.S. Secretary of State, and the leading Arab states have formed an ad hoc coalition to reverse the Gaddafi advance. So, it says it's likely that French and British fighter jets and Canadian ones too now will be flying over Libya by Saturday night unless Gaddafi produces more convincing evidence that he's pulled back. Some as yet uh, unidentified Arab states will join the air enforcement. So, uh, it's just another... It's business as usual, isn't it? It's even better because everyone really is allowing this to happen and saying nothing about it because they're all terrified and fixated on Japan. Well, these big boys aren't worried about Japan, it would seem to me, when, when they, they can't cancel their, their, their big business plan for a few days or weeks to see what happens. What do they know that we don't know? Hmm? It's not bothering them much, is it? At all. And then you go into this is a beauty of an article about the Prime Minister of Canada. And I've mentioned the corruption. They don't actually call it corruption at the top. You get payoffs and that, and it's that standard business practice in government circles uh, from lobbyists and advisors and all the rest of it, and you make sure you, you keep your friends happy. Now, this came out, um, this is a former a senior advice advisor, very important people advisors, to Prime Minister Stephen Harper was uh, lobbying Indian Affairs Canada to land water contracts potentially worth millions of dollars for an Ottawa-based company, water company that employed his fiancée, uh, who was an escort. You know, she's more than an escort actually, because if, if you look up her name, you've got her, her, her Facebook picture. It's not actually her face you're seeing. I'll just say she's sitting on a gold mine. But anyway, it's quite amazing to see this whole deal here. Now, number one, um, this guy, uh, the advisor to Prime Minister Stephen Harper, was literally given a golden handshake and millions of dollars of taxpayers' money, Canadian taxpayers' money, uh, to set up this um, this Ottawa-based water company. And... Um, a golden handshake. And then the Indians, it goes right off to Indian Affairs, you see, because Indian Affairs really dishes out pension money for the land that the Indians are on and so on. So it's taxpayers' money that they're going to use to sell the water. They get it backed back again to them through selling them water, basically. This is the whole con game. Anyway, the name of Michelle McPherson, 22 years of age, appears on a secret contract witnessed by Bruce Carson. This is the guy who, who was advisor that guaranteed her 20% of all gross revenues. I guess gross is the right word for this situation from sales related to water contracts on First Nations reserves, according to a copy of the contract obtained by the APTN investigative team. The APTN unearthed the contract as part of its investigation into Carson's involvement with H2O, HTO Pros. Well, you can't make these names up for H2O Pros. <laughs> and its attempts to sell water filtration systems to First Nations with the poorest water quality. Uh, Carson, who was one of Harper's longest serving advisors, left the Prime Minister's office in 2008 to take over the newly, the newly minted Canada School of Energy and Environment that received $15 million in federal or taxpayer funds. That's how you gave your, your pals the handshake, folks. The Prime Minister's office asked the RCMP, and, the guy, and here's this guy, this advisor now, got, got his, his girlfriend who's who is, as I say, she sits in a gold mine. You can tell if you go into her website. Um, 
20% of all the, the revenues from the sales of this deal has been set up. I mean, this is better than Peyton Place used to be. Amazing, eh? Because they're all at that at the top, though. Back with more after this break. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix, just going through some of the little scandals that happen with big money involved, always taxpayers' money and how prime ministers or presidents give their advisors big golden handshakes, get them, set up companies for them even, and uh, give them the, the starting cash, you know, generally in millions or billions. And and then these characters bring in, uh, I don't know what they call them, their, their escorts, I guess you'd call them maybe, and uh, and then sign them down for further contracts where they get cash out of every deal that they make. And then they go off to, uh, to uh, the Indian reservations trying to sell uh, these filtration systems to them, because, you see, they get tax funding through that. So it's a, it's a tax roundabout. It's beautiful how these things really work. But see, all the money, the big money comes from the taxpayer. That's where the, the honey pot is. And that's what we have at the top are just little petty gangsters, really, with the very smooth talking, very quick-witted, good con men, street guys, street-wise. And, um, and, of course, this guy's brought in his call girlfriend, who, whose real name, by the way, is not just Anne, Anne McPherson, but her real name, her, her, her stage name, or whatever you want to call it, I don't want to call that name, actually, for stage name, it's an escort name, it's, it's Leanna VIP. So you can look up Leanna VIP uh, for yourself, and, and you'll see that the poor girl has really nothing to go to these meetings that she's supposed to attend because she's simply nothing to wear. But anyway, that's what you've got at the high levels of your average governments. And it's just astonishing we put up with this nonsense all the time. Mind you, they want to make sure that you keep more morals to a certain level at the bottom level, a lot further advanced than they used to be as they're bringing us down in utter debasement. But they themselves have never had any morals whatsoever uh, and no moral qualms about anything either, especially when it comes to sharing things amongst their friends. So that's what's happening in Canada as we send off our jets to bomb Libya. And another thing that's snuck through as all this is going on too is says here, the U.S. backing for a world currency stuns the markets. U.S. Ter- uh, Treasury Secretary Tim Geithner uh, shocked global markets by revealing that Washington is quite open to Chinese proposals for the gradual development of a global reserve currency run by the International Monetary Fund. I've been telling you that for years now. The IMF was to be brought up to its proper position, the position that its founder talked about in the 19, late 40s. Uh, part one, this is part two, that they dropped their proper position as the dispenser of loans across the planet for every nation, you see. And uh, again, they snuck this through. It's just amazing. The dollar plunged, it says, instantly against the euro, the yen, and sterling as the comments flashed across the trading screens. David Bloom, currency chief at HSBC, said the apparent shift of policy amounts to an earthquake in geofinance. The mere fact that the U.S. Treasury Secretary is even entertaining thoughts that the dollar may cease being the anchor of the global monetary system has caused consternation, he said. 
the other one really, I mean, the only country really that was trying to get back off uh, the American dollar was Japan, and that's been banned like everybody else gets banned if they don't go along with it. Anyway, Mr. Gettner later qualified his remarks, insisting the dollar would remain the world's dominant reserve currency for a long period of time, but the seeds of doubt have been sown. And so the markets are up and down like a yo-yo because of these these particular statements made by the guru of cash, as he's supposed to be, and uh, even though no one really knows what he's supposed to be doing. But that, again, is the world that we live in. And then you get back to Canada's military spending now. It's the highest since World War II. We're also building massive prisons, by the way, across Canada as well. They're putting big big uh, bids to buy these prisons for all upcoming chaos, I suppose. But anyway, it says... um, that um, in this article here, if we can get down to it, it says increasing Canada's defence budget by 54% over the past decade should not come at the expense of foreign need and diplomacy. According to a new study by the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, military spending in Canada is expected to hit at least $22.3 billion this budget year, the highest since World War II, and a 54% increase in defence spending over the last decade. The increase in defence spending is staggering, but perhaps not surprising considering Canada's recent role in the Afghanistan war. What's shocking, however, is that our country now ranks 60th out of 102 contributing countries to the United Nations peace support missions. How can they even... Remember, peace is war. War is peace. Orwellian speak, you know. So peace support missions, that's where you go off and kill folk. This is a drastic change from the years before where Canada not only was a a top worldwide contributor to UN peace missions, but it's also a radical departure from our previous role as a country that redefined modern peacekeeping under the leadership of Prime Minister Lester B. Pearson. Lester B. Pearson also became head of the United Nations at one point too and helped to draft up the the UN Charter along with Alger Hiss, (laughs) for those who don't know it. Over the next 17 years, Canada has committed to increasing its military spending by 90 to $110 billion. This not only comes at a shaky time in the global economic environment, but also a time where the need for humanitarian aid and non-military global security spending is high. The report continues to say that Canada could easily meet to the 0.7% official development assistance target by diverting the increase in military spending to global aid. Canada has never met the 0.7% ODA, that's the overseas aid, aid target, coming closest to 0.5 and 86 to 87. Why should we be putting money up at all when we're all sinking back home? Hmm? You should say that charity begins at home. You know, like what happened to that? Oh, we're an international. Sorry, I forgot about that. We're an international community now. Does Canada really need to increase its military spending over the next few years? As far as I know, the credible threats to the country's sovereignty and security are small. Justification for an increased defense budget is difficult to find in light of the other competing priorities that face the nation and the world around us. Our troops deserve new and adequate equipment and preparation, but this should be done by re-evaluating military priorities and using the current budget wisely, etc., etc., etc. So this report is actually by someone who thinks we should be spending spending on other kinds of foreign aid, like building up India and Brazil and all the up-and-coming countries as we all go down the tubes. So uh, business as usual, isn't it? Business as usual, as far as governments are concerned. 
Now, talking, getting back to the whole Middle East scenario with these, uh, this do, these domino wars are having, these sudden popular uprisings where big uh, corporations that have with their foundations send in their trained agitators for a few years. They, they get through the universities to, to get the, the, you know, the, the you-know-what stirred up. And then they send in professional agitators, the ones who are a bit more uh, tough guys, like you know, like special forces and stuff, to get the action going, uh, to, to get rid of these guys that have been there too long. They've been awfully handy for the U.S., Britain, and other countries for a long time, but it's time now to pretend to the world to get us into the next globalistic phase. They've got to pretend to the world we're all democratic now, we're as democratic as we are. We're, we're told nothing. Remember, we're back to the mushroom stuff again. But anyway, it says U.S. funding tech firms that help the Mideast dissidents. They're not dissidents, they're not rebels, they're dissidents, evade government censors. So I've told you before, these are professionally trained agitators, uh, well-funded by the big foundations and the CIA and MI6 and so on, to go into these countries and bring them down. And they're giving these supposed civilians, you know, civilians, uh, they're, they're breaking laws for them or, or allowing them to break laws so that they can't get found when they're using electronic uh, communication between each other. Something that you would be in the slammer for. You know. An anti-government activist uh, works in his computer. Oh, well, it shows you little pictures now. Anyway, the Obama administration may not be lending arms to dissidents in the Middle East, but it is offering aid in another critical way, helping them surf the web, web anonymous, anonymously as they seek to overthrow their governments. What happened to this non-intervention stuff, you know, internal policies or their own affairs and all that stuff? So it says, uh, so federal agencies such as the State Department, the Defense Department, and the Broadcasting Board of Governors have been uh, funding a handful of technology firms that allow people to get online without being tracked or to visit news or social media sites that governments have blocked. Many of these little loan organizations, such as the TOR Project, that's T-O-R Project, and Ultra Reach, are unabashedly supportive of the activists in the Middle East. These are all NAC operations, folks. But the United States backing of these firms has the potential to put the government in an awkward diplomatic position, not only with the countries where uprisings are active, but also with economic partners such as Saudi Arabia and China, which are known to block websites that seem dangerous, or they deem dangerous. The technology comes with its own perils. Some of the tools may not always conceal the user's identities. Autocratic foreign governments are constantly updating their censorship and monitoring technologies, just like we are too back home. And of course, the software can be handy for terrorists seeking to communicate in clandestine ways. Well, that's what all the spies do too, eh? So it says in Egypt, Mohammed, Mohammed uh, um, uh, Hamama, a 24-year-old computer programmer, said he learned about the Tor Project software in January through chatter on Twitter. He downloaded the software and checked on friends protesting in Cairo's Tahrir Square. Now, all the big boys, too, from all these, from all these different corporations, the Gates Foundations and so on, are all involved in overthrowing the world, basically, to make sure they put in their puppet regimes that will be awfully socialistic and so that the rest of those countries can be as debased as we now are and then easily managed, you see. 
He says, still he worries about the technology's safety. I wanted to make sure my Twitter friends were okay during the protest, he said in a phone interview, but I didn't feel safe at all. I don't know what the government was using to track us down. I was just hoping the Tor browser would be good for me to tweet some things, but I managed to get away without being tracked. So all the big boys, all corporations and so on, see, we're public-private now. You see, that's true feudalism when the private corporations are helping to run the world. Actually, they are running the world. We're already in it. I don't know if anyone remembers the old movie. It was called Rollerball, and it was a futuristic movie made years ago where it was based around a game, of course, a kind of violent game. And um, you have to go through the whole movie to find out what happens. It was supposed to be after the big corporate wars, and uh, the main... A player for a team, a winning team, was told to basically throw in the towel, basically, and and, and lose, uh, for, for, so that they could prove to the world that individualism doesn't work. You couldn't work like an individual on the team, and that was to be the whole message of it. Well, you're here already, folks. Your children have been trained through groupthink, groupthink through the schooling system, and we're already into all of that today. And people don't even know they've come through it. They've adapted and adapted. And they don't even know. They don't even know what's happening. So all these private corporations, the ones that run Facebook, Twitter, etc., all their heads have already made comments and statements that these guys are involved in this too. Well, that takes NSA clearance. It takes United Nations clearance and every War Department's clearance as well to do that kind of stuff. So they're working with all your your secret services and so on. Quite something, isn't it? And all this is happening, as I say, it's so important to get their agenda through come hell or high water or nuclear fallout or anything else. Here's here's the military going off to make sure that we bring freedom and uh, democracy to other nations. As we've been told in our own countries, according to the Club of Rome, the big think tank that works for the United Nations, that we're post-democratic. We've got to make them democratic, even though we don't have it back home. We've been under martial law. If you haven't noticed, you have no rights. Since 2001. The kickoff for the new century. This is the new century you're in now. The century of change. What was Obama's pledge was? Change is good. And you thought he just, his, you know, PR guys just made that up. No, that was literally what academia had been calling it for the last, well, the previous 50 years, the coming century of change, where the whole socialist world system was to come to the fore. Everything that Lenin did, uh, Stalin did, and every other, and them, all the Marxists did, would be run, used to run the public worldwide. The work that, that all the groups that were involved in it, the ones who ran the culture industry, the Frankfurt School, all these boys destroying the culture, destroying marriage, destroying um, uh, the family unit, making sure that the state gave any morals to the children, the new morals, not the old morals, the new ones, you know, where you got to try everything. And the only stipulation they have is that you, you must not be an individual. You must go along with the group groupthink and everything. Look at the entertainment that's gone over the years. It's utterly, utterly debased to a level uh, that I can't even fathom myself. 
where they have adults supposedly in sitcoms acting not even as adolescents, but as four or five-year-old children. I'm not kidding about that. Someone sent me some of the stuff from Britain, what they've been showing there, and I could not believe, amongst all the canned laughter, at what was I was witnessing that was supposed to be entertainment, the most debased filth you can imagine. And then again, you can't imagine it because we're beyond probably even that now. I don't watch television at all. I've mentioned before too, but a, a fellow whose brother is up in the CIA tells the, the, the younger one nothing except the only advice he gave him the, the last year was don't ever watch television. It's a weapon. It's always been a weapon. And it works on most people's minds. They're unaware of it. They think they're, they think that thing's there uh, on their behalf to entertain them. Most of your behavior is emulated from what you see on television. The opinions from experts and professionals and important people and celebrities become your opinions. That's what it's for. You're being manipulated at every single turn. Look at the psychic driving they used of the repetition of the buildings going down in 9-11 to burn it into the minds of everyone who was alive at that time. To justify taking all of your rights away from every single one of you and telling you right off the bat that life will never be the same again. The total tracking of all information, total information awareness network. That means total information of everything about you daily. Where you are, what you're doing, who you're speaking to, who you're texting, who you're, etc., etc. And then told us, are you, or they asked us a question, and all, all the media went into action right away within the same week saying, are you willing to give up your, your, your freedoms for security? Without freedom, you have no security. Haven't you noticed? You see, tyrannical governments give you no freedoms at all. So when they ask you for freedom, you're under tyranny. And you've adapted to it, most of you, already. Completely adapted to it. And now that's normal. A new normal has happened. That's what Skinner said, you know. He was quoting Darwin, of course. He says, humans are the most adaptable species on the planet. Of course, all the neuroscientists are into that too now as they manipulate your brains through that box, television, all information is there to make sure they control you. It works awfully well. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the matrix. The Guardian also put out an article on the 17th of March about, again, psychological warfare. And it says, uh, I've talked about this so many times and it's good to see it's hitting the mainline uh, media and press. It says, uh, General David Petraeus uh, has previously said U.S. online psychological operations are aimed at countering extremist ideology and propaganda. The U.S. military is developing software that will let it secretly manipulate social media sites such as Facebook and Twitter by using fake online personas to influence internet conversations and spread pro-American propaganda. It's actually pro 
corporate propaganda. And I've talked about this before uh, in, in, in better greater detail. A Californian corporation has been awarded a contract with the U.S. Central Command, which oversees U.S. armed operations in the Middle East and Central Asia, to develop what's described as online persona management services that will allow one U.S. serviceman or woman to control up to 10 separate identities based all over the world. And I read one of the initial articles about that maybe a month ago or so. So it's been likened to by web experts to China's attempts to control and restrict free speech on the Internet. Critics are likely to complain that it will allow the U.S. military to create a false consensus in online conversations, and that's what they do. They've been doing this for a lot longer than this admission here, under other, other names for the same uh, operation. It says, crowd out unwelcome opinions and smother commentaries or reports that do not correspond with its own objectives. They discovered that the U.S. military is developing false online personas. They already have them, as I say, known to users of social media as sock puppets. And look back in my archives, you'll find more on sock puppets. Could also en- uh, encourage other governments, private corporations, or companies, non-government organizations to do the same. They already are. They all, wherever you get something in the mainstream, it's old stuff. It's like science. What you're taught up to university level and throughout university level is the bottom line of what you're told in science. There's two higher levels above that. Two higher levels at all times above that. So, I've told you, there's nothing put out there for your use. Immediately, it's like all technologies are used for warfare purpose, especially in their initial phases. Warfare purposes. The war on your mind is the greatest war of all. Most of the people out there are conquered already. You meet them every day. You've all talked about them, the people who phone in here. They don't want to know. They couldn't care less. Everything's rosy, cozy, you know. And just like that guy in Japan right now in Tokyo, the, the French guy, he, he says, this is what they're showing us here. Everything's fine. Here's all the game shows on television. Meanwhile, they're, they're all a few miles away from meltdown, supposedly. So we're told. So we're told. And with all these meltdowns too, uh, we're told that, oh, it's minuscule radiation across the planet. This is the first time ever you've had any kind of meltdown where there's, there's nothing much happening across the planet. Isn't that strange? Hmm? All these masses of, of sensor operations across the planet are just aren't picking anything really up that's worth talking about. Isn't that kind of odd, folks? Hmm? Don't you think so? During Chernobyl, they kept telling you every hour on the hour, on different major, even national media, like the BBC, well, where the clouds were travelling, uh, what the radiation counts were in these clouds and so on. But this one here, no, just, you know, harmless and nothing up the ordinary, really. We're living in Disneyland, folks. And hold on to your hats. It's going to get worse and I go a lot faster. Back with more next time this Monday. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night, me, your God or your God's school with you. <laughs>